Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. Hi, this is Bill. I thought this interview was so good, I wanted you to hear it again. So enjoy. And a warm welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold, and I'm looking at my friend, Dr. Tim Walsh, here with me in studio. And we're going to talk about life on Mars. That's a great, intriguing topic. <laughs> and Tim, I know you're going to make sense of all that. Tim is the chief officer at North Star Regional. You deal a lot with behavioral and emotional issues. That's right. Yeah, substance abuse disorder treatment, and then also mental health, uh, which is called co-occurring. Uh, yeah, we do residential treatment, outpatient, mm-hmm. uh, sober homes. We do, do the whole continuum of care uh, for people who need that kind of treatment. So, mm-hmm. so when we talk about life on Mars, I know that um, it's, we're talking about Act 17, aren't we? We are. Yeah. We are, exactly. Yeah, so the, the connection I'm going to make here, uh, Bill, and I, th- I think we can just... Uh, connect with something that I think many people, maybe your entire audience, uh, is struggling with right now, which is, first of all, uh, especially in the last eight years, but then since 2020, people have got to feel like they've been on a different planet, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the the cultural divide, the gap between people, uh, at least in our media and in our politics, is getting increasing. Uh, and then what's happening along with that, where it, it's it feels like people are dividing, they're compartmentalizing, uh, and that uh, we have to we have to connect with them, of course, and to share, you know, what we call the good news, the gospel, to share our faith. At the same time, it becomes increasingly difficult. It feels increasingly difficult to connect with people. So I just want to, you know, echo and resonate with your listeners that uh, you're not imagining it. Mm-hmm. You're not crazy. Uh, that is what's been happening. And, of course, the most extreme example is what's going on in the Mideast. But uh, right now, in our, our hearts and our prayers go out to them. But, you know, even in our own society, we're seeing that level of division such that, you know, we may be feeling that we're on life on Mars. But it, it's really a play on the words for uh, the Apostle Paul in Acts 17. If people want to follow along, uh, 16 to 31, uh, the Apostle Paul is in is now in Greece uh, he just had to basically flee from his life for his life uh, as he went from Thessalonica, and he went down to Berea, and he even got trailed uh, by a group of uh, Jewish people that were very angry at him. And now he's in Athens, and every day, and when he's in Athens, he's speaking in what's called the the marketplace, the agora, and he's talking with people every day, and he's reasoning with them, and he's also going to the the synagogue, uh, and and then as as the council of Athens learns about his teaching, uh, what they what they think is that he's introducing strange gods into Athens, which shouldn't have been a problem because they had something like thirty to forty thousand yeah. idols at the a time, right? A lot of idols. And so he gets called up to the Areopagus, which is the council, like the Supreme Court of Athens, one commentator called that. And so just the first thing that we learn about that is, and this is one way to connect, is 
Paul was, we can tell, immersed also in the culture. He understood that culture. And, of course, that's one way to connect with people is to understand from their viewpoint, Mm -hmm. what is their culture? What is their spirituality? What is their religion? How do we connect with people where they're at? And that's exactly what he did. He quoted their philosophers. He quoted their poets. He, of course, used their language. You know, Paul grew up uh, in Tarsus, which is this crossroads, uh, a, a whole economic pathway that goes from Turkey all the way to Greece and into Europe. And so that's where he grew up. And so this is a person, you know, Paul would have been uh, very familiar uh, with the culture, and he was very learned in their in their whole philosophy and their language, uh, and even knew their, uh, their obviously their politics. And so when I say life on Mars, uh, Paul was on Mars Hill, what was called Mars Hill. He was called up. It actually says they took him up to the council. And now he is face-to-face with essentially, like I said, the court, the Supreme Court uh, of Athens. And I don't think he was just there for a talk. I think they really, <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. I think they really bring him before the court. And so what, a, what an excellent example of a culture clash of two Apostle Paul coming from one world and the uh, Athenians, the the Greeks coming from another world and different philosophies and religions all together. And here he has this opportunity to now share the good news uh, with uh, this council. So what did he do? That's the question, right? What did he do to make that spiritual connection with, with people? And so just so we can connect with that, we're faced with this every day. Every faced, day? Yeah, in the workplace. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Everywhere. In, everywhere. In, in the workplace, uh, we're, we're faced with it Some in our own families. Sometimes we're looking at our own children and going, wow, are we spiritually connecting with them, our family members? Right. Uh, and so on. And so that is the the lesson that we can pull from that. And, of course, what I do, what, what I'm going to do, Bill, is what, what I always do when I talk to you, is I, I'm going to connect that to the what I believe to be the best research on how to communicate people with about spirituality. Um, we've called it, you know, neurotheology, neurocognitive uh, 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 research. Uh, some people call it neurospirituality, but it's essentially taking the research on the body and the brain of what transforms the body and brain, speaking in that language mm. to people, and now they can relate that, wait a minute, is there something about me that is spiritual mm. and that if I connect to this way of living, spiritually speaking, that I can now actually start connecting with uh, with God. Now, the way he did it, uh, perhaps uh, maybe even offends our, some of our sensibilities about evangelism uh, these days, but uh, I think he was inspired to do so by, by the Holy Spirit, wasn't he? So that's that's what leads me up to talk about, okay, what did he do and how then can we apply that in spiritually connecting with other people? You're talking about what did Paul do? That's right. What did Paul do? How did what he do apply to what we can do? That's right. All right, because you can't go talking over my head, Tim, because I'm a C student, all right? <laughs> so when you start talking neuroscience, why it might understand it, but you got to be careful with me. Okay. All right. Okay. I'll break it down. All right. I'll break yeah, like it down. Yeah. Yeah. Good. So the first thing that he did, you know, in, in our field, uh, Bill, we call that spiritual integration. So it was interesting in my field of, of therapy, psychology, is uh, in the last several years, all of these different fields, social work, mental health, uh, marriage and family therapy, they all adapt, adopted ethics that said, hey, you got to actually integrate the spirituality 
of the people that you're working with. Mm-hmm. That was the new ethical wow. uh, bent, and that you have to be responsive also to their culture. Well, great. How do you do that? How do you do that? And so uh, we we make different cultural bridges that way. But way the way that the Apostle Paul did it is, first of all, he went to them, used their language, their culture, their poets, their philosophy, their thinking, and he integrated that truth into what he was sharing in terms mm. of the good news. I think that's powerful Boy, all by itself. Smart. Yeah. So smart. smart. <laughs> yeah. So smart. Very smart guy. And, and so here's some things, you know, like... Um, what we when we do a substance abuse treatment, we will say uh, that they what they need to the first step that that powerlessness and then that acceptance and then the willingness to accept the will of a higher power than themselves mm-hmm. and and at first Christians go well that's you know don't don't we know the name of who that is why can't we just jump to that well because you got to meet people where they're at. And so we even use language like God as you understand God, not because every conception of God is true and equal. That's not the point of that. It's to connect with people where they are at. And then you then work with them where they're at then to to bring them to where they can be, spiritually speaking. Mm-hmm. Dr. Tim Walsh is my guest. He's the chief officer at North Star Regional Mental Health Services, and it also apply, applies to addiction and recovery. And Tim... Um, when you talk about the meeting people where they're at, which I think is really critical, I think the authors of the, the Big Blue book, the recovery book, uh, and they would say, God, as you understand him, I, their intention was, from what I've read, is it, it's your understanding of Jesus, how much you know about him. Mm-hmm. Now, I think that's been maybe shifted a little bit just to you know, get people uh, not closed-minded because yes. they really can't think spiritually until they first get sober. Yes, that's right. Isn't that true? Yeah, that's right. And 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 of course, also, uh, when I talk to clients, like I do a presentation on spiritual awakening, I do groups on spiritual awakening, and so when you get into that, you got to start with where they're at in terms of give me your name for God. What is your name for God? Yeah. And again, not because I'm coming from a perspective of our, all are equal and all are the same, but I am coming from a position of respect and curiosity. That's what we talked about last time. We talked about culturally connecting with people. Well, spiritually connecting with people, you start with where they're at. Yeah. And so then, then you hear all these different names for God. And by the way, I think God knows who he is. Well, no I think problem. He, no yeah, problem there. He has no problem there. And so you start with that, and then you can start proceeding to asking a question, an innocent question, and a curious question of, tell me what God is like. Mm, I like tell, me what, tell me what God is like. So now I'm not preaching at them. Now I'm, I'm now interacting with them, and I'm hearing what they think God is like. I think we might be surprised at what they come up with. It's yeah. very, very similar to the characteristics that we would attribute to God. Now, what have we done? We've now actually increased, and we're talking to this to them at a level, a spiritual level, and we're now increasing. We call it, you know, uh, uh, increasing your conscious contact with God, mm-hmm. right, or your higher power. That's what we say. And I think that's actually what's happening now. Uh, in the Christian tradition, we call it centering prayer. And centering prayer is to actually think about the person you are praying to, the person of God. Mm-hmm. And so you start you start thinking about who is God? What is God like? Who is God to me? Well, 
that opens up a whole conversation with people, and now they're telling you where they're coming from with that. And what's fascinating to me when I start asking about that is they share things that we would also, I think, agree with. They will say, when you think of God, what is God like? And they will say, God is loving. Well, I have no disagreement with that, that God is compassionate, mm-hmm. that God is forgiving, that God is all-powerful, that God is everywhere. And then I, then I go further with that understanding. I say, okay, can, is God here? Is God with us in this room? Again, their name for God. Is, is God with us? Wow. And then they say, they, almost all the time, they say yes. Oh, okay. Can God actually connect us as human beings to each other? You know, does God do that? You know, and they say, yes, generally speaking. Mm-hmm. And then we go one step further. You see where we're going with this, oh, Bill? Oh, do I ever. And then, and then we ask, can God be within you? Can God be within you, right? Mm-hmm. Most of them, almost all of them say yes. Do you see what we've already done? We've created exactly what Paul did. That's where he started off with the Athenians. He started off with an understanding of who God is. And he even used their words, their poetry, their philosophy mm-hmm. to express back to them the truth of who God is. Mm-hmm. So I just, that's, that's a starting point. And so I would go even further than that, you know, so if God can be within you and I say, oh, you know, it's an interesting word like enthusiasm. You know what that means, guys? No. What does that mean? That means the God within, the God, God within you. And they go, wow, that's really, that's really cool. So now we've made it, we created a connection, haven't we? Mm-hmm. Uh, as we have, uh, as we've done that. And so you, you start with who is God to them? And that's exactly what the apostle Paul did when he was at life on Mars, on Mars Hill. Um, and then also, of course, uh, again, he went to where they are. Where, where's the council? They're, they're at the Areopagus. Mm-hmm. He goes right to them. Now he's brought to them, right? Mm-hmm. And so how do we apply that? Um, you know, you asked me, why did I talk to 200 guys at Lionel Lakes Prison, you know, just this last week? You know, why? Why? Because that's where they're at. Right. That's where they're at. That's where people who are hungry, who are searching, actually, in, in these set of verses, it, it says that human beings are groping in the dark, searching for God. Isn't that, I mean, isn't that descriptive? I think yeah. that's a powerful description of what people are at. So, but what is it appealing to? It's appealing to this hunger. It's like the uh, St. Augustine says, you know, that our hearts are hunger, Right. That we're not satisfied till uh, we find our satisfaction right. in Him. Our hearts are restless till uh, still till we find our rest in Thee. Is what Augustine said. But that's mm-hmm. the idea. So now we're reaching them as human beings, knowing, you know, as they say that they have a God-shaped hole within them, that they have this hunger, that they have a sense of the eternal within them. Okay, and so. Good place to start, isn't it, in terms of the Apostle Paul? Well, it's a fantastic uh, place. Dr. Tim Walsh is my guest. And Tim, if you said, well, you know, what do you call him and what is he like? And you're asking that question. And if the response was, well, he's the big guy in the sky and he's kind of a mean boss. Right. You've learned a lot in a very short amount of time. Yeah, that's right. You know? Exactly. Now you know where they're at. And so what's interesting on that point, Bill, is is actually, you know, uh, you, you wanted me to break it down in terms of the, the science of this. There's actually research on that if your image of God is one who is wrathful, angry, vengeful, punishing, shaming, uh, and so on. They've done studies now. It actually damages your brain. Now, there's a good conversation Whoa, starter. that's really... There's a good conversation starter. And then, and then opposite. 
if your if your image of God, the, what you image God to yourself is, is loving, kind, compassionate, forgiving, personal, relational. What does it do? It actually results in growth in in the connections within your brain. It, it results in brain health, body health, uh, and the the outcomes for our life are just uh, so much better. Yeah. And this is this is a matter of science. I'm speaking the language of science, mm-hmm. but is that not the good news? No, that's great news. All yeah. right, we're taking a break. Dr. Tim Walsh is my guest. We're talking about. Uh, Life on Mars, according to uh, Acts chapter 17. If you have a question or comment, let me know. I'd love to hear from you. 877-933-2484. I'll say it one more time. 877-933-2484. Be right back. Hi, this is Bill. I thought this interview was so good, I wanted you to hear it again. So enjoy. My guest is Dr. Tim Walsh. He's got a pretty fancy job. You do. Pretty fancy job. Chief, yeah. I don't know, chief officer. That sounds like it's pretty yeah. important. That's the simple tale. Yeah. People, yeah, yeah. do they salute you when you walk by? What happens? Uh, I don't make them do that in public. No. Okay. Yeah. In private, that's another deal. Yeah, I get yeah. that. I get yeah. that. Yeah. And you're at North Star Regional. Explain that one more time. People yeah. just got in their car and who are you and what is North Star Regional? Yeah, so I'm the chief of behavioral health. North Star Regional is a substance use disorder uh, and co-occurring treatment, which means both uh, substance use uh, disorder and mental health treatment. And we do everything from outpatient services to residential treatment. Uh, we actually provide lodging to people while they go in through intensive outpatient. Mm-hmm. We provide uh, sober homes. Uh, so the whole continuum of care for somebody who's struggling with those issues. Yeah. You said that so much better than I would have said it. Oh, well, I mean, I could. Have then I'm glad I said it. I no, said seriously, it, yeah. I, I could yeah. have memorized your bio and, and <laughs> stumbled through it, and it just rolled off your tongue. Yeah. I'm saluting you yeah. for those who <laughs> privately, yes. privately, yes, yeah, I'm yeah. saluting you. Yeah. All right, let's go back to life on Mars. We're talking about uh, Paul, um, Paul in Acts chapter 17 and what it was like to be on Mars Hill. Yeah, so he's on he's on Mars Hill, and of course it's a complete culture clash, you know, between uh, the Athenians, there's their Stoics, their Epicureans, their Platonists, uh, and uh, it's like he's on a different planet. He's coming from one planet, they're coming from another, and and of course the way we can connect to that is I I'm guessing most of us feel like that with our own society, our own culture, or just just being in this world, oftentimes, and 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 yet we long to and even have a mission to spiritually connect with people and. Share with them uh, the good news. But how do you do that when your world's apart with other people, when you have this huge cultural gap between people? And that's that's where I think we can get an example from Paul. But, you know, also, you know, I think that in my field, we have to do that. We ethically have to uh, respond to this, the, the spiritual or faith or religion of our clients, respect that. Uh, and then we also, I have to be responsive to it, which means take that and make that a part of their treatment. So essentially I have life on Mars every day. You know, mm-hmm, you know that's, yeah. that's, that's where, that's how I landed on that, that title. Um, so as we proceed through this, uh, we find out that the other thing that Paul did is it says he reasoned in the synagogues and in the mar- marketplace. And it, it says to whoever was there, he reasoned. And, and of course, the, you know, the Bible has other things about be ready to give a defense, a reasonable defense of your faith, right? It says lots of things like that. 
And that's the way he was connecting with them first. He was connecting through their minds. And I do this exercise with uh, my clients where I, say, where I take an AANA saying, which, which is, goes like this. As your body goes, so goes your mind. As your mind goes, so goes your heart. As your heart goes, so goes your spirit. And if you think about that in your own experience, I, I think that's literally experientially true. Can you say that again, Tim? Sure. Uh, so as your body goes... So goes your mind. What does that mean now? Okay. So and here's a simple exercise that I do with them. I'll have, um, and I'll describe it to your audience. I just have them put their hands up like we would might do in worship. Just okay. put your hands up and then you tilt your head towards the, the ceiling. Okay. That's all we do. Okay. And then I say, now tell me, you know, oh, how, how are you feeling in your body right so now? So as your body goes, then your mind goes. That's right. Okay. And that how are you feeling? How are you feeling in your body right now? And then we go, then I say... Any words or images that are coming to your mind right now? Mm-hmm. Great, great. Any feelings or emotions that you're having right mm-hmm. now in what we'd call your heart? And then they start talking about, they start emotionally connecting to what's going on with their body and their mind. Interesting. And then I asked them, I said, is there any, I said, we'll call it a message or a, a sensation or an image, anything that you'd say is, is occurring to your spirit right now, because we all have spirits, right? Mm-hmm. All human beings have spirits. Sounds a little new agey right now. Uh, oh, does it? Just a little, but okay. that's okay. I mean, yeah. I, I trust you and I know your heart. I'm yeah. just saying, I'm trying to listen objectively. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Sure. So, no, the, the whole notion is, and that's where we go next, Bill. Thanks for bringing that up. Mm-hmm. So it's increasing your conscious contact with who? With God. With God, yes. With God. Mm-hmm. With God, yeah. So, um, and that's, and actually, I, I kind of anticipated that some people might hear it that way, but um, so if you think about Acts 2, the, the book of Acts, what happens to the book of Acts 2? Uh, the apostles speak in their language, but then the Holy Spirit translates it essentially into mm-hmm. everyone else's language. So God does God's part. Yeah. In bringing people to himself. It says that even faith is a gift from God, right? Doesn't the Bible say that? Mm-hmm. And so so we rely on God to give the gift of faith. And it even says that God is working on people before they come to faith, right? Absolutely. And then, you know, if you jump to Romans, you know, 8, we find out that it's the Spirit, it's the Spirit of God. Uh, and it says that God is the searcher of our hearts. I'm going to say it again. In Romans 8, it says, God is the searcher of our hearts. And how does he do that? He does that through the Holy Spirit that then search our hearts and then communicates back to him. Does this make sense? Mm-hmm. That's not new age. No, not at all. That is not new age. Mm-hmm. That is that is trust and faith in God that God is going to take people where they're at and he's going to lead them to where they need to go in terms of their faith, right? Mm-hmm. So... Um, and I would say that, by the way, everything that I'm talking about has a solid tradition uh, within Christian practice as well, uh, that we are supposed to get our bodies into praise and worship. We're supposed to get our bodies into uh, uh, prayer. We're supposed to get our bodies into meditation. Posture uh, is it, important. That's right. It, well, yeah, and even more than that, you know, when we talk about being transformed by the renewing of our mind, I could go on and on, as you can tell. <laughs> as we talk about being renewed by our mind, back up to uh, Romans 12.1. It says to present our bodies as living bodies sacrifices. as a living yeah. sacrifice. Right, to, mm-hmm. to God, right. So I want to encourage, I want to encourage, you know, uh, uh, Christians to get your bodies into it. Um, because you you will enhance your spiritual experience, and as you reach out to God, what does the Bible say for those who earnestly seek Him? 
He's a rewarder of those. That's right. He's a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. And by the way, we're going to find him because he finds us. Right. Right. So that's that's where I would say that um, I do a lot of things with clients that start awakening their human spirit. That's mm-hmm. you're exactly right on that. I do things that do that. But I trust that God does his part and is present. And I even pray that way, that God is present and God does what he does. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and do I, I, I even challenge, do I have to do what his role for him? Do I do need to do God's job for him? No. I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yep. Okay, good. Yeah. Good. Good. Thanks for thanks for challenging that. Uh, exactly what happened to... I was nice about it, wasn't I? You were very nice. Oh, good. Yeah. Because yeah. there's an incredible connection between body and mind because yes. as a guy who was in a theater production for 22 years, when you uh, are learning and you're remembering your lines, it's completely connected to the movements you're making on stage and the gestures you're making. And as you walk to point B from point A, that's when your mind remembers what to do. Wow. Yeah, you know, if we sit around uh, a table and say let's just run lines, we can't yeah. do it. And I've yeah. done the show thirty eight hundred times because you got to be moving, you got to be doing what your body does in order mm-hmm. to remember the words. And I th- sometimes think you don't have the words unless you get your body in a posture to praise and worship Him. That's right, right? It doesn't have yeah. to be fancy. It doesn't have to be uh, big, right? You just have no. to create a posture. Think about how simple all I did was with them. It was so simple. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I don't think you asked. <clears throat> You didn't push them out of their comfort zone either. No, no. And it's amazing what comes out of that too. Um, I can tell it's not just increasing, you know, their spiritual consciousness. You know, it's right. not, it's not, you can start to see that people are, are connecting. I, I believe that. Yeah. yeah. And so that's, that's cool. Uh, it's actually very powerful when that happens. Um, the next thing we come across, Bill, is, is you got these, you know, Areopagus council members, the Supreme Court of Athens, and they're saying that Paul's ideas are strange ideas and that the people of Athens, uh, every day, it basically says all day, Mm -hmm. they were into the latest ideas. And so what do we take from that? It doesn't mean we adopt everything from the culture, everything that's new and latest and so on. That's not what that means. Uh, But uh, should we be interesting? (laughs) <laughs> should we be uh, intellectually challenging? Uh, yeah. Should we be entertaining sometimes? Uh, you know, engaging, engaging, winsome. Yeah, a little bit of banter, a little bit like you and me, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. A yeah bit, there you go, yeah. there you go. So that's that's another thing I take from that. And 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 so when we're doing therapy, and and of course you know that that word the the root word means healing. When you're doing therapy with people, uh, you gotta experientially connect them, just like we're talking about. They have to experience what you're talking about because your brain needs to do it, doesn't it? That's right. That's right. Yeah. And so so that how does that apply to everybody? Well, how do we connect with people relationally, emotionally, experientially? You know, that's that's what Paul is showing us uh, here. Um, and in the whole, the whole, this whole section of the Bible, he goes in ways that we, we would not expect in our modern mindset about what is evangelism, you know, uh, we would not expect how he would approach the Athenians. And that's why, and actually even me saying it, notice how challenging that is for us to think that way. Um, so the next thing is, what does he react to? Paul becomes agitated, uh, angry about all the idols he sees. And I, I heard one commentator said that word in classic Greek 
or anywhere else at that time is nowhere. In other words, Paul invents a word. <laughs> idolatry, not, and not, not the Hebrew sense of the right. idolatry. He's talking about that here these Athenians are, they're worshiping the works of their hands, and they're, they're worshiping these bronze metal statues and so on. And, and so he's, what does he take that, though? He says he makes the connection with idolatry to what that applies to absolutely everyone we talk to. Everybody worships something. That's so true. Everybody worships something. So you go down to the depths of the human heart and human nature. Everyone exalts something to ultimate, ultimate importance. Mm-hmm. And so application, what do I ask my clients? What gives you life? What fills you full of life? And do you suppose that might excite some sort of spiritual sense and spiritual longing? I'm going to say yes. That's what happens. Mm-hmm. And then I ask them what takes the life out of them or what sucks the life out of them. And then they get to that, and then they start describing what it is in their life that's, and of course their addiction is is one of the number one things that takes the life out of them. Mm-hmm. But just think how basic that is. All I ask them is what gives them life. And what takes away. And takes away, mm-hmm. right. Yeah. And I'll ask them what emotions come and go quickly, and what emotions uh, stay, and, and, and they last. And that that's leads us down another pathway, too. That's so interesting, Dr. Tim Walsh is my guest. He is the chief officer at North Star Regional, which is a, a treatment center. Uh, so if you have a question regarding anything related to addiction, substance abuse, um, or what we are discussing today, you can text me the comment or question to 877-933-2484. You can also email me, bill at myfaithradio.com. Be right back. Hi, this is Bill. I thought this interview was so good, I wanted you to hear it again. So enjoy. It's the Afternoon Show with Bill Arno. Drive time, drive time. Let's get it started. Jump in your car. What's for dinner? It's the Afternoon Show with Bill Arno. Our guest today is Dr. Tim Walsh. He is the chief officer at North Star Regional, which is a treatment facility. Am I saying that right, Tim? Yes. Okay, cool. And I've got some uh, comments that have come in. Here is a freshman girl. So what are you, 14 or 15 if you're a freshman in high school? Oh, yeah. Uh, died by suicide. Yeah. And the question is, is there a, a way a layperson, like just a volunteer, could go to the school and help using the principles that you're talking about? Yes, yes. So first of all, um, one of the things that we do in therapy that anyone can do is you connect to the emotion that's most, you know, salient or, you know, right in the forefront of, of somebody's mind and heart. And so what is it that the emotion that's coming forward here and that, that, that gateway, that doorway to that person's heart is actually despair? Mm. Uh, we have an epidemic of despair. And that despair is expressing itself and manifesting itself in so many different ways, Bill. It's, it's, not just uh, drug addiction and overdoses, uh, it is also accidents, it is uh, violence, uh, it is um, uh, mental health issues of uh, mood disorders. It's, ex- it's manifesting mm-hmm. despair in all these different ways. And so a person typically who is considering suicide is at a place where they don't, 
think that there's any option, there's no way out. Their pain is never going to go away. The suffering is going to continue forever, especially if you're a freshman in high school. You're thinking this, what I'm feeling right now will go on forever and it's mm-hmm. never going to change. And there's no help, hope and there's no help. Okay, I just said a lot about the, the voice of despair. Mm-hmm. We actually have ways of talking about all of that that bring hope, don't we? So that's so now you connected to what's really going on with a person emotionally, and now what you can talk about is there help? Okay, now we talk about where the help comes from. Okay, is there is, is this going to pass, or am I going to be able to manage this better in the future? Will my future be better? It will. Will I be better in the future? You know, yes. If I get the help and support that I need, I can have a better future. I can be the person that I want to be. I can feel better. Remember that when people uh, seek help, the number one thing they want, to feel better. To feel better. So how can you immediately help that person to feel better? Mm -hmm. What can you do to support them to feel better? And, of course, if they're in that state of despair, they, of course, might need professional help. Uh, you know, some people may even need, you know, hospitalization, uh, in that situation. So that's what we have to discern in that, in that moment. But, uh, despair is pervasive, uh, with young people right now. And so we do need to connect to hope and l- listen to the words that I was saying about that. You know, uh, you know, can my life be good? Can my life be better? Can, is there a way out of this? Am I going to feel this way forever? You know? Now we we start responding to truly what that person is struggling with, and even that by itself can increase their hope. All right, Tim, that is a lot to think about. Um, It's when you're meeting people at their their emotional pain, and if they're in despair and you're meeting meeting them there and encouraging them with hope, how can we convince them that there is hope? Yeah, yeah. So I... Um, I start with where they're at. And so if I jump to Jesus is the hope, Jesus, you know, uh, you know, or, you know, uh, if they give their life to Jesus, that, that that's how, where the hope is going to come from. Now, I think ultimately, you know, as Christians, that's what we would believe. But is that where you start? Mm-hmm. Is that where you start? You know, again, you have to connect with them and you don't want to alienate them. You want to start where they're at. Uh, that's not where I start. I start with the emotion itself. And now we start to talk about what is the pathway to feeling better? What is the pathway to getting hope? Uh, what is the pathway out of my current circumstance? Uh, and that's when we start connecting to, actually, what I start talking about is there's a way of life. Think about this. Not, not, I don't just jump to, you know, Jesus' answer. By the way, Paul didn't either. Mm-hmm. He, he doesn't mention Jesus once in this entire section. Think about that. Not once. He talks about Jesus as the man that God resurrected. Um, and so I connect with, with, with what? When I'm talking about hope, I'm connecting to a way of life that we can start practicing now that will increase not just a sense of hope, but a sense of, uh, of love, of peace, of serenity, of contentment, of joy, right? We start talking about a pathway, things that they can do. Uh, that's in, in psychology, we call that behavioral activation. All, and all that means is start doing something that's going to help you to feel better. Okay, so that's a, I think that's an excellent place to start. Okay. Dr. Tim Walsh is my guest, and we're talking about life on Mars, and we're talking about life on Mars Hill, according to Acts chapter 17, where Paul would be reasonable. He would go and, and debate. And there's a passage in this 
that is so important to me, Tim, and it's in verse 18 when mm. some ask them, what is this babbler trying to say? <laughs> That's me most days here at Faith Radio. <laughs> Don't laugh. If you're laughing, you're agreeing with it. So. <laughs> no, no, I was thinking about myself. Okay. Uh, yeah, and so... Uh, yeah, and, and by the way, uh, I listened to the, the, the Greek word there that they use yeah. is seed picker. Seed picker? A seed picker, yeah. Seed Meaning picker. you're like a bird who's just pecking around. It sounds like you're smart. It sounds like you're intelligent, but you're just pecking around. And you don't really know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's, that's what a babbler show. is. That's our show for the day. I'm going home. <laughs> oh, I don't mean you. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah, no, okay. No. Yeah, yeah, very good. No, uh, yeah, so, it's, yeah, just... So it's just what what I what I love is already you know your audience is starting to say oh and this is something I can use because yeah. when I when I go full gospel on them uh, that hasn't gone well and 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 Paul didn't go full gospel on them did he and yet he got the good news across right. in fact he got them to the next step where some were intrigued some sneered at him right that's mm-hmm. the end and 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 some followed and isn't that where we want to get. Uh, is is to that point. Um, so the next thing you know, Paul says to them is he goes, "Oh, Athenians, you're very religious." And in one translation says, "You're very superstitious." Mm-hmm. Okay, so what's the application there? Even with people who were calling the nuns N O N E S, the mm-hmm. nuns, yep. over twenty five percent now people have no affiliation to any religion, any denomination whatsoever, and it's an increasing group. In fact, it's the largest faction uh, in the United States now. Uh, or people who are increasingly calling themselves agnostic. In other words, I don't know. Uh, mm-hmm. Agnostic, I don't know. Um, and then you got a, a huge group of people that say they're spiritual, but they reject any notion of organized religion, right? Yeah, they don't want any kind of doctrine making decisions on their life. No, that's right. That's right. Yeah, and they're suspicious of organized uh, religion right. in general. Okay, that's not where Paul goes. Paul doesn't criticize any of that. Where he goes is... You are this. He starts with, so he would say it in modern day language. He goes, oh, you're a spiritual person? You are a spiritual person. Because by definition, as human beings, we do have a human spirit. Right. It doesn't mean we're spiritually connecting to the right things. <laughs> right. right. But we, we do have this capacity. We do have this capacity to be spiritual, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And isn't that interesting that he recognizes that in them? You know, yes, and so yes. th- now he has a common crown. And so what I'll ask, uh, again, I'm trying to give an application with every single one of these, Bill. And one of the, one of the things I ask clients is, okay, what would you call the person that is aware of you all the time? That's conscious of you all the time. What would, what would you call that person? At and one that, point it would have been my mother. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, of course, the part of themselves, right? Yeah. That's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Um, anyway, so they, 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 but they, they have different names for this part of themselves. Some pe- people say soul. Some people say spirit. Some mm-hmm. people say mind. Some people say consciousness. Uh, I've gotten angel a few times. Oh, I don't sure, know. I don't sure. quite know what that means yet. But, um, but anyway, what are they getting to with that? They're saying that they're more than the sum of their parts, and they're more than their body. Mm-hmm. That there's some part of themselves that is the whole of themselves, which we would call spirit. Mm-hmm. Right. And do I really at that moment care what they call it? No, because at that point, now they are actually kicking in, into this level of consciousness and awareness of themselves. And is that is that a good thing? Well, yeah, it depends on what they connect to. Right. Mm-hmm. But that's the so the application is that I get right to the ultimate, their ultimate nature. And now they're saying that their ultimate nature is something other than their 
just their body, just of their body self and this existence. And so they've elevated to a different awareness of themselves, okay? Is that a good start? I think it is. Oh, I do too. Yeah. It's fantastic. And so... um I think you pronounce uh, this philosopher's name, Dechardin. I love that guy, yeah. Yeah. I so, mean, one of his famous quotes, say, if I may yes, say it, yes. we're all spiritual beings having a human experience. That's right. Yeah, you I don't know, is that the one you were going to pick out or not? That is exactly the one I picked oh, wow. out. <laughs> you're not a human being having a spiritual experience. You're a spiritual being having a human experience. Yeah, so you know yeah. it better than I do. Yeah. Tim, let me well, take a quick break. We'll come back yeah. to that when we return. And thank you for pronouncing his name correctly. I've never been able to say it well. Is that right? Yeah. yeah okay, good. I always say that French guy. <laughs> it's very, very respectful. Anyway, Dr. Tim Walsh is my guest. We'll take a break and be right back. Hi, this is Bill. I thought this interview was so good, I wanted you to hear it again. So enjoy. I'm with Dr. Tim Walsh. We are talking about life on Mars, and by that we mean Mars Hill, when Paul in Acts chapter 17 was having all kinds of conversations and debates, and they did uh, ask him things like, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting you are bringing some strange ideas to our ears, and we would like to know what they mean. Yeah, isn't that good? <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah, it is. Yeah, uh, yeah. So where where Paul goes next, which again I think is an amazing common ground to even connect with people spiritually, is he talks about God as the creator and sustainer of life. But he mm-hmm. uses their words, their philosophy, their poets to say that, and it's one of my favorite verses. It says, "Who is God?" It says, "In whom." We live and move and have our being. In Whoa. whom we live and move and have our being. By the way, he takes three of the primary aspects of philosophy, and in one sentence he captures who God is. In whom we live and move and have our being. Okay, that's a mic drop moment right there. It, it is, yeah, yeah. So he starts with, their understanding, and but here's what he does. You know, all of their idols are, of course, within this existence, within this creation, all that, and they're all created. And there's just stone and all that. But he he says God is outside of all of that. He is the creator. Your creatures and everything you're done, including your idols, is all created by you, right? And so he that's where he goes. And now they have to elevate to whoa, God the creator, God the creator, and God sustaining all of life. He and even I. I live and move and have my being within him. Mm. You know, I'm a wow. I mean, so he just blows their minds. He absolutely blows their minds with that. And so uh, I do a spiritual exercise, which is designed to create a sense of awe or inspiration. I start talking about, you know, what is the universe like? What is creation like? And then they'll even say that. I'll, I'll ask them, I'll ask the clients, do you think there's like a, a design or patterns in the universe? And they almost always say yes. And then I said, do you think there's even like an intelligence? Like there's, it seems to be reasonable that it even makes sense in a way. Yes. Oh, okay. Uh, do you think that, you know, that there's even something like a, a sense of, uh, a greater being or a higher power that kind of holds it all together? And they almost always, Bill, say yes. And then I'm going, Oh, okay. So is there any sort of a, a mind or a consciousness to the, the universe that way. And then I'll even connect to that, you know, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of quantum uh, uh, physics theorists that will say that consciousness is the, is the nature of reality, you know? So what are they describing? 
what the Greeks would call the logos. Mm-hmm. And we'd call the logos who? Yeah. Jesus. Jesus, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so uh, they're describing the logos, the structure, the the truth, the reality of the universe. Okay. So we just do this simple exercise and you think, oh, you know, my clients, they're not going to wrap their minds. No, they love it. They absolutely love to talk about the the big picture of of the universe. And, you know, I even talk about, you know, if, if the constants and the laws in the universe even changed a little bit, that you wouldn't exist. And they go, wow, yeah, I suppose that's true. Um, okay, so could we even say that the universe exists in a way where your life is possible? Well, yeah, yeah, good. Do you think that life can be good? And, I, and they said, yeah. I said, <laughs> they say, yeah, I think life can be good. But as long as you follow the laws, the truth, and reality in the universe, right? Yeah, 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 that's right, that's right. Okay, see where I'm going with that? No, I do. And so, and so we keep going along those lines. Okay, if life can be good, and it's, it seems to have a design so that it could be good for you, and, and even your existence is possible because of that, and no one in existence has ever existed like you, and you are unique and special in that way, do you suppose maybe that means you got a certain purpose while you're on this planet? Do you know where they go with that? Um, I'm, I'm tracking with you. Yes. That means I, because I'm unique and special, born at a place and time as a certain person within this design, within this universe. And you would think that, how can they even track with that, right? They do, Bill. They track with everything oh. that I just said. And, and, of course, that is a sense of awe and inspiration. And it leads them to understanding there is a creator and sustainer beyond the universe itself. Cool? That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. So then the next place, I love where Paul goes. He goes, he even says, God is near. And that's where God is near. He's close. He's not far off. He's not mm-hmm. the unmoved mover in, in Greek philosophy. Or the philosophy. Uh, he's not in the Platonic ideal in, a, in, a, in another sphere altogether. He's, he's near. And so that's when I go to, after I said everything I just said, I will say, well, then could you say that God is personal? And they would say, yeah. Do you think God is relational? That God is even in a sense wants a relationship with you, you know, or even if you say higher power, you know, we're still getting the same place. And they say, yeah. Does he, do you think perhaps in the way we just talked about that you're, that God is loving and cares particularly for you as a special and unique human being that has never existed before and will never exist again. And they go to yes. Wow. Isn't that cool? Yeah. You've walked them right into a place where they have agreed with everything to this point. That's right. That's they have, right. They're not pushing back against you, are they? No, no, no. I mean, there's there's occasionally people who are, you know, naturalists, materialists, or they think they're, they're being scientific, and sure. we, then we go from there. But I start with where they're at. And uh, so then, you know... Where we where we go to, and this is this is cool, uh, also very powerful and impactful. Paul then is basically saying that God is evident. That God is, he even takes it for granted that the God is evident to these deep thinking philosophers, uh, in 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 the Areopagus, and he then goes to that they would understand that truth. Now, what's interesting is how do you bridge that with clients? And so if you start describing like serendipity, like things seem to happen, but they seem to happen for a purpose, and that purpose seems to be good for me. That's mm. serendipity, right? <laughs> that's a spiritual experience. Okay. Don't, do you think so or not? Oh, yeah. I mean, okay. that's, that's, okay. a, that's a God moment, I think. I, I think mean, so, too. I think there's, there's, um, um, there's nothing inc- inconsequential in God's economy. No, that's right. There, you know, nothing. 
That's right. Yeah. Or if you talk about the laws of accountability, like what goes around comes around, sure. you know, what you sow, you reap and yeah. so on. They believe in that. Yeah. Yeah. That means there's, there's a law of consequences, of spiritual consequences in the universe. And they believe that mm-hmm. now, now we have another common ground, don't we? Yeah. Uh, with them. So, um, then this next one, which is what the Greeks really got hung up on, uh, which is, he used the word for resur- resurrection, which is anastasis, you know, anastasis. And, and of course, most of them have either no concept of resurrection from the dead uh, or what N.T. Wright calls life after, life after, life after death, you know, because mm-hmm. uh, that's, the, <laughs> that's, the, that's, that's the right doctrine with that. But, mm-hmm. um, it, but what is he introducing to them? The deep, at the deepest core of a human being, they want to know that change and transformation is possible. And not just for some eternity that they can't necessarily conceptualize, but for right here from right now. Mm-hmm. So now Paul is reaching in and introducing them the idea of resurrection. And, and Jesus' resurrection, when you think about it, he didn't just resurrect. He ascended, he was glorified, he was seated, he was given power, he was given position, right? Yeah. Uh, and he was, he was then, he was glorified into, so so resurrection in our understanding introduces life transformation and change. Mm, so good, Tim, what a great way to end. Thank you so much for being on the show. Dr. Tim Walsh has been my guest. That's unfortunately all the time we have. I'd still love to continue this discussion with Tim. If you missed any of it, head to the podcast at MyFaithRadio.com. I hope you have a wonderful night. Thanks for spending time with me today. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.